This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Port Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. We're back with more Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. We're, we're going to take a Twitter question now, Jeremy, to start off this, this segment. It's going to be a bit of a shorter one, too, so perhaps we can go in-depth on this and then, and then get right to it. Uh, Pete Dudley reaches out to the show on Twitter. He asks, reading a colleague of yours at The Athletic, Craig Custance, talks about the Florida 38th overall pick in the 2016 draft, Adam Maskerin, a 40-goal OHL scorer, won't be signing with Florida. What value would a former second-round pick have, and should the Canucks be interested? So I talked to you about this while we were in the break, and you pulled up some interesting numbers on Maskerin. Had a strong first season in the Panthers organization, his draft plus one year. Uh, He was actually in a way related to the Erica Branson trade, which is interesting enough. Of course, the Panthers dealt down to take him, the original pick being spent by Buffalo on Rasmus Asplund, who's looking pretty good himself. Uh, so what is the PGPS metric putting out for Adam Maskerin, 38th overall pick in the 2016 draft by the Florida Panthers? Yeah, just uh, on, uh, on a basic level, we got um, 17.6% expected likelihood of success so that is is not uh particularly uh enthusiastic what would that be in terms of in terms of like expected pgps would that be a third rounder a fourth rounder that's my sense what what are you thinking yeah you're looking at probably third third or fourth there right Um, so his star has fallen a bit yeah certainly and a lot of that i mean he did score 40 goals that year as mentioned but he had fewer points in more games this year so from a, a number standpoint, you're looking at a, a sizable step back in terms of production. When you're in the OHL, especially when you go from D plus one to D plus two, or draft plus one to draft plus two season, so like nine, 18, 19, 20, that kind of thing, you're expecting a huge jump up in production if mm-hmm. you want to stay on track for what you're you know, expecting to do. Uh, to take a big step back is a pretty iffy sign. Yeah, not a good omen. No. And, and there's there's often other reasons at play in there that can affect why that might be. Team strength, uh, deployment, sometimes players get passed over because a new hotshot young prospect comes into the team. Um, but just on the surface, it, it's not particularly promising. I don't think you'd want to be shelling out a lot of assets. or I mean, unless you're getting his rights for a really, really late pick. Mm -hmm. Because then you still have to negotiate the contract. Right. So it's not even a done deal at that point. And who knows if he even wants to sign in Vancouver. It's not like you just you get him and you can force him to play here. Well, the the one thing that sticks out to me, and you you kind of reference this a bit, is is team quality and what impact that has on the decision. I'm just looking right now at the Kitchener Rangers. They were at the top of their division this year, made a bunch of high-profile trades, bringing in Logan Brown, Cole Sherwood, Giovanni Smith. Uh, Greg Morellis is another year on the team. He was there last year. Ricard Hug is on loan, somebody you probably should have went a lot higher or actually, no, Ricard Hug is this draft. Never mind, I stand corrected. But point being, it's possible that he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. But again, that wouldn't necessarily speak to any positive uh, projection aspect just because you'd expect him to rise above other prospects if he is to be an NHL player, right? right. And he's still leading uh, Kitchener in points this year. He led them by quite a wide margin, Uh when you're looking at points per game, I think Logan Brown's probably got a beat. Um, which, uh, 
Logan Brown is a pretty good prospect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I remember TSN's Craig Button really wanted the Canucks to take him in the, uh, that was the old U11 year, correct? Yeah, so there was talk when Logan Brown was in his draft year that he might go as high as fifth. Yep. Uh, obviously, didn't come to fruition. Of what, don't remember what he was, 16, 17? That 12, kind of, I think. 12? 12. Okay. To the Ottawa Senators. And that's so looking they, like they a good pick. They get him, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah memory serves. Uh, so that's the situation with uh, Adam Maskerin. Would you... Uh, let me put it to you another way here, and this will be the last question on the matter before we go into a quick break. Would you trade a fourth-round pick for Adam Maskerin if you were the Canucks? Just given everything they, they need, the way they've drafted... I wouldn't do it. I'd, no. I'd rather start fresh with an 18-year-old. And, and you never know what you're going to find. If you're confident in your ability, you the answer to this question should be no. Yeah. If you're an NHL team, you should have confidence that you're going to pick a good player in the fourth round. The odds are against you, though. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I, you should have some. I mean, there's... It, the way we look at it when we're looking at every draft we're within you know that same day we're always looking mm-hmm. at it. why didn't they pick this guy there's guys who end up not being picked out of all 217 selections and you're like man I thought that guy was going to go in the fourth yeah yeah and, and, and sometimes it's, be- it's for good reason it's stuff that we didn't know about and other times it just was a mistake and those guys end up getting contracts my question for this year is going to be uh, Artem Manulin. I think we had him in the 50s last year, went undrafted, and he's just, like everyone on the Swift Current Broncos, has found this next gear. And uh, I wonder how much of that you attribute to Alexi Heponiemi, who Canucks Army, not to brag, had him in the teens, yeah. whereas most scouting services had him in the 30s, 40s, ends up going to the Panthers in that range. Uh, I think they're pretty happy with that pick yeah. right now. Uh, we're going to take some more listener feedback on the other side here. Reach out by phone, 604-280-1040, toll-free, 844-876-1040. Email us live at tsn1040.ca, text at 104040. You're listening to Nation Network Radio, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill, on TSN 1040, your voice for Vancouver sports. Heard in the update there from Renel Desai, the story of Loyola in March Madness. I mean, if you want to catch some games, that's the place to be. They've got a TV in every corner of the walls there. Let's go to visit our friends at Shark Club and learn more at sharkclub.com. Uh, this is Nation Network Radio, powered by Shark Club, presented by Canucks Army. And we've got Canucks Army's Jeremy Davis sitting in for uh, John Abbott. And this is the co-host. I'm J.D. Burke. You can follow me on Twitter at Burke. And we're going to shift gears here. We're going to talk a bit about the upcoming draft. I think in the last segment, we were answering a question about Adam Maskerin, what level of involvement the Canucks should have on him. He's not going to sign with the Florida Panthers, which will either put him back into the entry draft this June, or perhaps the Panthers can trade him to a team that he will sign with. Uh, I, for one, on a perhaps unrelated note, I'm always glad to see a player exercise their CBA rights. I'm always going to take the player's side in this, so I mean, unfortunate for the Panthers, but good for Maskerin, getting to play a hand in where he goes, where he plays out his NHL career. And I guess the next one now is we've got this college hockey tournament going on. Quinn Hughes and Michigan Wolverines eliminating Adam Gaudette and Northeastern Huskies, meaning that Gaudette is likely, and I, and I don't want to you know, get a foot in my mouth here, but it seems like Gaudette is going to be joining the Canucks to finish the season at some point. We'll just have to see what the timing is. My guess is Tuesday against the Anaheim Ducks in front of the Vancouver Faithful. And that would be certainly an interesting storyline, something to generate some interest and a buzz around the team. But now we're going to shift gears away from a 2015 fifth-round pick towards the first round of the 2018 NHL entry draft in Dallas. And this one is a bit interesting for me because 
after one, I think it goes a number of different ways. And you've seen a lot of people. Uh, Craig Button, for example, has Kachuk at two. I've seen uh, Sveshnikov as high as five. I think you were saying you had him at third on your board. But one person who was sticking out to me was Kote Kaniemi, who shows up really highly when you adjust his points for league, uh, situation, era, you name it, all those those great things that go into the seal-adjusted score system. Uh, where do you think the real interesting storyline here is in the draft? For me, I think there's Kote Kaniemi, how high he should be, but Zadina versus Svechnikov is also interesting. What are some of the big storylines from the first round that you're going to be following as we get into the CHL playoffs? Yeah, Zadina versus Svechnikov is a big one, and I think in a similar vein, right up in that top five area, Hughes versus Bockvist is going to be a big one too. Now, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I, I hope Ryan Beach isn't listening because he's a big uh, Boquist. You and me are on the same page with this, and we're opposed to Beach. Yes, here. Beach Beach loves him some uh, Adam Boquist. That's Canucks Army contributor Ryan Beach. And uh, I, I'm having a hard time getting as enthused about Boquist, and this is something that obviously we're going to have to talk to as it gets closer to the draft. He's playing in a league, the SHL J20. We were talking about this, and you have the data to back this up, which is pretty comparable in talent level to the BCHL. Not even, what is he, like a point per game, barely a point per game when I last looked. That doesn't bode well, especially you were saying that he's played some games at forward when the the timing has called for it. Uh, another thing that sticks out to me is if we want to use that straightforward BCHL comparison line, even Dante Fabro, who's considered more of a two-way, perhaps even a defensive guy, well over a point per game pace in a comparable league in terms of skill. You want to see Boquist differentiate himself from the talent there. He he did show strongly at the Five Nations tournament. He's got a big shot. He's a right shot. He fits a lot of what the Canucks are looking for and just knowing the way that the draft lottery works are likely going to be in a position to contemplate. Uh, what does the, the PGPS metric say for Adam Boquist? What, what what kind of likelihood are we getting from him? Give me a sec to pull it up. He's just working on getting those metrics going. But I, I pulled up Kokaniemi because you talked about him first, so now I'm uh, my my apologies. I sidetracked you there. I mean, the Kokaniemi so one really sticks out to me. And uh, but for me, the the Quinn Hughes versus Adam Boquist one, and this is one that I think Canucks fans are going to be really interested by. Uh, Quinn Hughes is playing with Will Lockwood when Will Lockwood was healthy with Michigan. He is outpaced any NCAA defenseman taken in the first round of the NHL draft in, I think, like the last five, ten years. He's outproduced Zach Wierenski. He's outproduced Charlie McAvoy, who's in the, the hunt for the Calder this year. I mean, he's doing some really spectacular stuff, and I wrote about it for the Athletic Vancouver about what he was doing for the World Junior Championships for the Team USA roster. So, really interesting. But now you're telling me you got some numbers to pull up on Adam Bolquist as a comparable because that really is the second tier. It's Bolquist versus Hughes. I mean, nobody's challenging Darlene. I do, yeah. So he's uh, Bookfist has played in three different leagues in Sweden primarily this year, uh, which is not at all uncommon for a, an 18 year old or 17 year old player. Right. Um, the thing about him is only 15 games in the Swedish Hockey League so far is not great, and, and we've talked before about. Any games in in professional hockey, the high-level professional hockey, I would say SHL is probably the third best league in the world in Mm -hmm. terms of hockey. You get games in that when you're a teenager, that's a a great sign. Um, But if you're spending a lot more games in junior than you are in pro, maybe second, third, fourth overall is a bit rich. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I pulled up his his, uh, PGPS numbers, as mentioned. 
and I have a couple for him here. So if we're looking at where'd they go? Well, I think that it's kind of funny because last year his brother uh, Jesper Boquist was somebody that at CA we thought was extremely underrated. I think he went to New Jersey in the second round, yeah, and he almost made the team out of training camp, yeah, he was which was. Which is certainly good to see. <laughs> it's always great when you get a little bit of confirmation. How's his brother doing when you look at his PGPS metrics there? Uh, so, we've got two leagues going on here. So, from in Super Elite, which is the the junior, the under twenty junior league in Sweden, uh, I got twenty percent. And if you're looking at his SHL numbers, I got twenty eight. So, uh, wow. Here's the thing about those um, Super Elite numbers. Mm-hmm. We're looking at four potential matches here. So, one successful player. It's Eric Carlson. Oh, interesting. So the, that's the thing with these things sometimes. Is like <laughs> that's the, not where the, I thought that was going. Yeah. <laughs> so the numbers overall is not super good, but the guy who did turn out here, it turned out to be really good. But then, I mean, so he's he's got numbers that are similar to Carlson's when he played mm-hmm. in junior, but he's all the other three guys here went nowhere. Right. So that's kind of what you're dealing with here. And I, we like to compare Hughes and, and Boakvist a lot because they have uh, similar abilities and or they're both really really amazing from an eye test perspective um Boakfist kind of he lacks a lot statistically um because mm-hmm. he's he got the one point one assist in, in the Swedish Hockey League this year scoring in the Super Elite League the the J20 League in Sweden it means almost it means very little mm-hmm. there's there's some guys similar that, to the BCHL right yeah it's, <laughs> it's a little but there's a lot of volatility there, so it's a little bit above the BCHL, but it's still it's well under major junior in Canada in terms of what you would expect that to to, to carry over to a higher level league. Quinn Hughes, on the other hand, his numbers look just as fantastic as he does from an eye test perspective. So mm-hmm. that's why, if you're looking at those two players, I'm leading a bit towards Quinn Hughes, and they're both amazing to watch. Yeah, but uh, Quinn the Hughes numbers is, are backing up one more than the other. I think that Quinn Hughes is going to drive his coach absolutely batty for the first few years, and certainly I think Travis Green would be having a lot of one-on-one pep talks with a Quinn Hughes. But uh, he's one of those guys who exemplifies the way the NHL is going, where you want to have right. somebody who, even if they're you know, kind of a bit risky when you do the the net of their contributions. So you look at all they add, all they lose by being so risky, and they come out in the positive. That's Quinn Hughes to me, that transitional offensive defenseman mm-hmm. who you take the risk with because there's so much tangible positive contributions. So many, rather. He looks to me to be a little bit less risky than Bokvist does. I don't know. I think Bokvist might just have more out and out skill. And he's a better, be better shot for sure. But in terms of just carrying the puck up the ice, because they both have a penchant for doing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bokvist has a little bit more flash to it and, and maybe puts on a little bit more more of a show when he's coming up the ice. Because Quinn Hughes, he's one of the most remarkable things about him is just how smooth he is. And he's deking out defenders, but it looks like he's not putting all that much effort into it, mm-hmm. which is in itself very effortless a very, skater. Yeah, a very valuable skill to, to go around. Uh, so many opponents and and at the college level too which is not easy no uh, especially relative to to where Bokvist is playing well um, that's the thing because Hughes is playing against what 20 21 22 year olds sometimes yeah, sometimes older when you get into um, a lot of the college uh, people like if you're not a really high-end kind of college recruit mm-hmm. you're probably not even going to start 
play NCAA hockey when you're 18. Right. A lot of times they don't even kind of recruit guys until Cartier started at 20. 20. Exactly, right? Yeah. And, and that's often the case um, unless you're a guy that's projected to go in the first round. So they end up with a lot of by the guys who are 24, 25 years old in their senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think it only kind of adds to it because for me, it's it becomes so black and white when you put it in that perspective. You got Boquist who's playing in a lower level league, uh, playing against people who are strictly under 20, and he's not producing to the extent that Hughes is, who's playing against 24, 25-year-olds in a much more difficult conference. We're going to talk a little bit more about the draft on the other side here. It's Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040, powered by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. Reach us by the phone, 604-280-1040, toll-free 844-876-1040. Email us live at tsn1040.ca and text us at 104040. You're listening to TSN 1040, your voice for Vancouver sports. Some pretty cool things going on there, but before we... Uh give way for offsides a review of the business and politics of sports ahead of the Whitecaps game we're going to take a caller now we've got Craig from Abbotsford who wants to talk about the NHL draft Craig welcome to the show Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I'll make it quick here in a couple, three short ones here. I, I think though, I copied it down. I didn't need analytics to figure it out. Dizzy Dean always said statistics are for losers and I believe them. But anyhow, <laughs> I figured they got about 15 and then uh, maybe you could uh Tell uh, the viewers about the low-end Canuck picks we don't know much about and what they got in Utica. Mm-hmm. And number three, Tanev, too slow, lousy shot, don't hit anybody, gets hurt all the time. Let's trade him for a first-round pick and maybe a top six or a top nine player. I mean, he's the new Sammy Sallow. He has to go. And uh, we appreciate your, your input, Craig, and stats are for losers, CanucksArmy.com, an analytics-based perspective on all things sports. I've had that email before. I'm, uh, you know, I got one a, a little bit less tame than that last week. Uh, you know what? I mean, frankly, I, I don't want to sound arrogant here. Enjoy hockey however you choose. And, and frankly, from my perspective as an analyst, I use analytics because uh, if you're not, I just think you're a step behind. But certainly, if you don't want to incorporate that into how you view the game of hockey, I understand. As for the lower-end prospects, I mean, you can just look at somebody like an Ashton Sautner used an emergency recall to bring him back up today. Doesn't score an awful lot. He's going to be somebody to keep an eye on, though, because it looks like he's going to get into the lineup based on the fact that Tanev isn't playing and he's an emergency recall. We're kind of getting low in time here, uh, Craig, so I don't want to don't want to shove your your questions aside but one thing I can recommend to you to give you a more thorough answer when you're looking for some of the lower end prospects is go to CanucksArmy.com that is the the host site for where we come from. Try to ignore all the stats. Try try not to get caught up in that. I mean feel free to call us a loser in the comment section power to you but we're going to have a lot of prospect profiles on some of the lower end guys from the Utica Comets including the 14th ranked prospect yesterday. I wrote about him, Guillaume Brisebois. Uh, We also had the question of Chris Tanev. I think, generally speaking, Jeremy, and you can answer this too, I would rather they trade a good Branson, but Tanev, trade him too. Why not? You need to shake it up. Where do, where do you stand on this one? Sure, trade them all. Trade them yeah. all. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit last hour. Um, if you're going to, I guess if you can get something out of them, then get something out of them. Uh, Craig is absolutely correct on in the fact that he does get injured a whole lot. And beyond that, um, I wouldn't be worried about his speed or his shots. Uh, those are not what he's lauded for. But we know he adds a lot of value, and teams are more and more seeing that type of value. He is also older than um, is probably uh, 
appropriate for this team given it's uh, where it is in its life cycle. So, I mean, I'm on, I'm on board with trading Tanev, especially if you can get something like a first round pick and a prospect back, then I'm okay with that. And it's mostly it's not at all because I don't think he's good because I, I'm very impressed with how Tanev plays. It's all about um, his age a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's always going to be the argument for me about Chris Tanev. It isn't that the Canucks become a better team by getting rid of him. They do not. It's that they have a brighter future yeah. by getting the assets that can lead to draft picks or prospects. Some of the people that he wanted to hear us talk about from the Utica Comets, for example. We're going to get into a couple... Well, we're going to at least read out a couple texts here. We're running up against it for time. Thanks for Renel Desai keeping the show running running smoothly and making sure we don't go over there. Uh, here's one that we got from the text inbox. Sedines need to go. We are sitting at 30th, possibly ending at 31st. It can't get that much worse. Or better yet, keeping the Twins can't make it that much better. Finishing 31st for the next two, three years without the Twins versus finishing 26th to 30th makes no real differences other than younger players can step up and the ability to trade for what we need. That is Jim from Vancouver. That one is uh, quite the take and I, I hate to end on a negative with the Steen, so I'm just going to say if they come back, I have no issues with it. And on that note, we're going to have to close out another show. Thanks so much to Jeremy Davis for coming into the show, subbing in for John Abbott. Did a great job providing insights and analytics on prospects that we might not otherwise have available to us. It's been another episode of Nation Network Radio, as always powered by our friends at Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. And you're listening to TSN 1040, your voice for Vancouver sports. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com.